Our scripture this afternoon you will find in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. I will read the verses 24 to 43. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go out, uh, to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its nest, in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And now comes the text. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed, sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. 
have to ask the man back there to pay careful attention. I may have to cough once in a while a little bit, okay. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our text this afternoon is a parable of the kingdom. A parable, you'll remember, conveys a message that is not immediately obvious on the surface. There is something in the story told that is hidden. In other words, the real point of the story is not immediately noted or noticed by the one who hears it. But the parable, because of its storyline, holds the attention of the listener. And the parable wants to force the listener to react. The listener must come to the point that he asks the question, what? What does this story mean? What does this story say to me? Jesus, remember, began to speak in parables in response to a very sad and serious situation. The people, the multitudes who had heard the preaching of Jesus and had seen the signs which he performed, the multitudes refused to commit their ways to the Lord. Yes, they refused to open their hearts to the Lord. They refused to accept the word of the Lord become flesh in Jesus Christ. Think of it. Jesus had faithfully preached the good news. He had proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom to the multitudes. And he had spoken with authority in a way no one did or had done in his day. And they, the people, the multitudes, they knew it. As a matter of fact, they had borne witness. He, Jesus, he teaches as one who has authority and not as the scribes. When the results were then so very meager and the disciples utterly baffled, see, then Jesus told the parable of the sower. In that parable, by means of that parable, Jesus unveiled to them, to his disciples, a secret of the kingdom of heaven. This secret, the kingdom, does indeed come through the seed. That is, it comes through the word of God that is proclaimed that is broadcast, and that seed, the Word of God, it always is the power of God unto salvation. That fact, that characteristic of the seed, if you will, that fact never, ever changes. The Word of God is always the power of God unto salvation. It always has that life-giving quality, no matter where it is sown, but about whether it is able to come to fruit-bearing. See, 
that depends also upon the soil. Jesus then explained that there are at least four types of soil, four kinds of hearts, four kinds of listeners, you understand. There are those whose hearts are hard as stone. They refuse the word of the kingdom outright. There are those who do receive the word. Yes, they receive it with joy, said Jesus, but there is no depth with them. They are superficial Christians. When persecution comes, they deny, they reject the faith. There are in the third place those who do hear the word, but they refuse to commit themselves wholeheartedly to it. They would like to serve both God and mammon. And so it is the word gets choked off, killed in their life. It bears no fruit. And finally, finally there are those who genuinely hear the word. Ah, oh, yes, it takes hold of them, and they, see, they grasp hold of it, and they do it, they live it. Ah, oh, yes, the gospel of the kingdom claims their whole being, and nothing can kill that word. It bears fruit in their life, up to a hundredfold. Well now, that was, in short, the parable of the sower, to which we listened together the last time I preached here. That parable, however, does not stand alone. There's a second parable which belongs with the parable of the sower. That parable is known as the parable of the weeds or the parable of the wheat and the weeds. You could also call it the parable of the harvest because, you see, in this parable, Jesus really continues the story about the sower. Before we look at that, however, there's something else I must call your attention to. As you well know, when you look around, you see a lot of evil in the world, right? And you know also that a lot of people are wondering about that. People ask, why? Why doesn't God do something about that evil? Why doesn't he put a stop to it? Why doesn't he destroy that evil? Maybe you've asked that question yourself on occasion. It's a very human question. James and John once raised a very similar question. It happened when Jesus and his disciples were passing through a village of the Samaritans on their way to Jerusalem. The people of that village did not receive Jesus, we are told, because his face was set 
toward Jerusalem. James and John, seeing that, were very much disturbed. So they turned to Jesus and asked him, Lord, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's the way to take care of such evil, they thought. But Jesus turned to them and rebuked them. The sons of thunder, as they were known, were too quick, too impatient. You see, also among those Samaritans, some seed had fallen into good soil. That seed should not, it must not be uprooted. It had to come to maturity. Yes, it had to, had, had to come to fruit-bearing. But the disciples had no eye for that yet. They still had many things to learn about the kingdom of heaven. One of the things they simply could not understand was this. Why was it taking so long for Christ's kingdom to be established? If people refuse to believe, they thought, if people refuse to accept Christ's word, then why did not simply establish his kingdom with might? Surely he could, could do that, couldn't he? Bid fire come down from heaven, Lord. Force the people to yield or else just wipe them out. Hadn't John the baptizer said as much? John, remember, had preached, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Ah, yes, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather the, his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So John the baptizer had preached, and I think Jesus' disciples liked that. That sort of preaching excited them, but when they then looked at Jesus, at his preaching, and at the results of his preaching, why then they just didn't get it. Well now, that the spread of the kingdom by means of the preaching of the word would be a slow process and often a disappointing thing. See, that lesson Jesus had taught his disciples and teaches us in the parable of the sower. But that parable tells only half of the story. The fact is, you see, yes, the fact is that there is another, there is an enemy. He also sows his seed. Oh yes, the enemy sows his seed 
right there where the good seed, the seed of the word, has already taken root. Right among the good plants, the wheat, there you'll find what is evil, the weeds. And God, yes, the Lord God Almighty, God permits that the evil grows right there. He permits that evil to grow right in the midst of his kingdom. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying? What secret of the kingdom is revealing to us in this parable? I'm going to speak on the theme now, weeds among the wheat. We will see that Christ answers three questions as follows. Where those weeds come from? What is to be done with the weeds? And what their end is? The story Jesus told is a very simple story. A farmer, he said, sowed some good seed in his field. But that farmer had an enemy, an obviously evil man. While everyone was asleep, this enemy did his dirty work. He sowed weeds among the farmer's wheat. To this day, apparently, you can read stories that tell of such things happening in Palestine. A man's enemies will sabotage his efforts at farming by going out at night and sow weeds among that farmer's wheat. Talk about expressing hatred. Well now, the particular weed Jesus talks about here, also called the tare, is a weed not so easily recognized. In its early growing stages, it looks very much like the wheat. As we know, we have wild oats that also look very much like the real thing. Only when that stuff begins to head, when the seed begins to form in the ear, only then does it become obvious that there is a major problem. So what happened, said Jesus, when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. In other words, when the wheat began to head, then it was discovered that there were weeds, tares, in that field also. And not just a few. The whole field was covered with them. Imagine that. You thought that you had a nice field of wheat, and then you discover that much of it is only weeds, tares. Well, the farmer's servants want to get right out there. They want to pull out those weeds, clean up the field. But the farmer says, no. No, you can't do that, he says. 
you ask, why not? Well, those weeds, the tares, have wide-spreading roots. If you were to go out on that field to pull out those weeds, you would be pulling up the wheat as well. Now, just as all grow together until the harvest, said the farmer. Then, when the harvest time arrives, then I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. And once you have done that, then I will tell them that they must gather the wheat into my barns. That was the story. A simple story, you will agree. A story everyone, every listener, could readily understand as story. But, but what did it mean? What was the point of it? Why did Jesus tell it? Notice, the people hearing it again raised no questions. Did they really think that they understood what Jesus had said? The disciples, however, sensed that here, too, there was more than just a story. That is why they asked Jesus to explain what he had said. And so he did. Excuse me just a second. The one who sows the good seed, said Jesus, is the Son of Man. <coughs> the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Did you notice? See, now the good seed is not the word of God as it was in the parable of the sower. You could say, Jesus is looking further ahead now. He, the Son of Man, he had indeed been sowing the Word of God, the seed of the Word. And some of that seed had indeed fallen into good soil, soil wherein it had germinated and grown and come to fruit-bearing. Ah, yes, it had given birth to sons and daughters of the kingdom. That you understand. Oh, yes, that is the fruit of the good soil. Sons and daughters of the kingdom. Now, it's true. Jesus didn't explain all of those steps here. He simply started at the end of the process. Those born to new life through the word that was preached, the living seed, they are now the sons of the kingdom. And more important for understanding the parable, they are now the good seed. Remember how the apostle Paul later would say to the church at Corinth, you, you are a letter from Christ. That's it, you see. Those in whom the seed of the word bears fruit, they are in turn becoming living seed in the Lord's kingdom. Think of it. Throughout the world, there are sons and daughters of the kingdom. They are there as a result, as a fruit of the preaching of the word. 
So that, you see, that is the question that comes to each one of us right here, right now. Is that true of us? Is that true of you? Are you living seed in and for the kingdom of the Lord? Well, that is indeed an important point to remember here, but it is not the main point of the parable. Jesus only explains that point in order to get to the rest of the parable. Because, you see, Jesus wants his people to know that not only he, the Son of Man, but that also his enemy, the devil, is out there sowing seed. You see, that is why there are not only sons of the kingdom of heaven in this world. They're also sons of the evil one living in this world. The reality of that brings us back to the book of Genesis. After the fall into sin, remember, God had said to the serpent, I, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring, your seed, and her offspring, her seed. But now, the words your offspring or your seed, which you understand are addressed to the serpent here, see, those words are a reference to all of the spiritual descendants of the serpent. They are a reference to all who, like Satan, continue in their rebellion against the Lord God. In other words, her offspring or her seed, see, they are a reference to all of the spiritual descendants of the woman, who, like her, are children of the Lord's kingdom. Well, now, in this parable, of the weeds among the wheat. In this parable, Jesus pictures the sons of the evil one as the weeds. And he says that they were sown by the devil. When you think about that for just a moment, you see what it is Jesus wants to get at here. This, the devil. The devil also has his seed, that is, he has his sons and daughters, his followers. Remember it well. The enemy has his people who do his bidding. They are bearers of his word. Yes, they are proclaimers of his message to and for the world. That's the thing. The disciples of Jesus we may never forget. See, right inside the Lord's kingdom, throughout the whole world, there are weeds among the wheat. Sons of the devil will not only mix in with, but they will also for a long time be identified as sons of the kingdom of the Lord. In other words, 
there will be deceivers, hypocrites, within the church and within the kingdom at large. But for a long time, they will not be identifiable as such. Oh, yes. And so it has always been. From the very beginning, Satan has been busy planting his followers among the sons of the kingdom of the Lord. In Adam's household, there was a Cain. In Abram's household, there was an Ishmael. In Isaac's household, there was an Esau. And so it has been throughout the history of Israel. There was a David, but also a Saul. There were the prophets of the Lord, but also the prophets of Baal, that is, the prophets of the evil one. And in the New Testament, it is no different. A Judas mixes with the disciples of Jesus. And Jude warns against the perverters of the grace of God in the church. Just read the letter of Jude, verse 4. Many such people join with, yes, they walk with the sons of the Lord's kingdom for a long time. And nobody, nobody really notices them because outwardly they cannot be so easily distinguished. They are just like the weeds, the tares in the farmer's field. For a long time, they look just like the wheat. But the fact is, they are not born of the true seed. You could also say they were not sown by the Son of Man. Instead, they were sown, placed, planted within the Lord's kingdom by the devil. And he put them there in order through them to deceive and to betray, in order, if possible, to destroy, to choke off, to kill the sons of the kingdom. Oh, no, no one in the church can find that a pleasant thought, right? No one of the church can avail the light in that reality, but neither, neither may we close our eyes to that reality. Christ taught his disciples, and through them he teaches us today that the evil one is always and ever busy sowing weeds among the wheat. In the church and in the kingdom, the Judases are still with us and perverters of the grace of God reappear in every age. They transgress the commandments of the Lord. They are idolaters and adulterers and thieves. They twist the truth and tell the lie and create sect and mutiny in the church. They never 
tire of asking, did God actually say? They have learned from their father, the devil, so to hide, so to cover up their evils that others do not really notice. They hold the form of religion, but they deny the power thereof. They tear down wherever possible advances made by those who, in obedience to Christ, seek the kingdom of the Lord and its righteousness. But if that is so, is there then nothing that the sons of the kingdom can do? Must the sons of the evil one be given free reign? Must the weeds be permitted to grow unhindered? Well, no. That, you see, is the concern of the second question. What is to be done with the weeds? Or you can be sure that was a problem that bothered Jesus' disciples to no end. Like the servers of the farmer in the parable, the disciples wanted to get right out there and pull up and throw out those weeds, that is, the hypocrites in the kingdom. They wanted them out, out of the church, out of the kingdom. The solution was again, bit fire come down, Lord. But the farmer, says Jesus, the farmer said, no. No way. Let both grow together until the harvest, he said. And at harvest time, I will instruct the reapers what to do. Did you hear? Let both grow together. But why? What did he mean? More importantly, what was, what is Jesus saying to his disciples, to his church, to us with this word? Is Jesus saying here that church discipline, after all, must not be exercised? Is he saying that people who are godless and that people who lead offensive lives or that people who openly deny the word of God, is he saying that any and all such people should be tolerated in the church? No, surely not. Yes, there have been people who have so interpreted this parable. But such an interpretation is clearly at odds with the teaching of Scripture. For example, the Apostle Paul admonished the church at Corinth for failing to discipline the incestuous man in its midst. And Paul said to Titus that a person who stirs up division in the church must be denied membership in the church after you have warned him once and then twice. Such a person, says the apostle, is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. So there can be no doubt about it. No doubt about it. The Church of Jesus Christ 
must exercise discipline. <coughs> but why then have some said that in this parable, Christ teaches differently? Well, in the first place, people confuse church and kingdom. The parable of the weeds among the wheat is a parable about the kingdom, not first of all about the church. Oh yes, it is true the church is part of the kingdom. You could say it is the heart and core of the kingdom, but the church is not the same as the kingdom. In the second place, people draw a conclusion from the parable which Christ himself did not draw from it. In the parable itself, you will recall, Jesus mentions the servants who want to get out on that field to pull up the weeds. That fit well with the story. You could even say that part was needed so as to, to round out the story Jesus told. But we should not fail to notice that Jesus does not at all talk about that in his explanation of the parable to his disciples. The reason for that is this. The sons of the evil one of whom Jesus speaks in the parable are not so easily recognized. Remember, Jesus is not talking here about people who openly lead offensive lives. In this parable, Jesus is not talking about people who openly break down the church of Jesus Christ. Oh yes, it is possible, of course, that people of whom Jesus speaks show some liberal tendencies. But it's just as likely that they present themselves as ultra-conservatives. After all, Jesus is talking about tares. In other words, he is talking about weeds that look just like the wheat. See, Jesus is talking here about people who outwardly appear to be Christian. Oh yes, they talk ever so piously, but inwardly they are corrupt. He's talking about wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, Jesus is talking about people here who are not so easily recognized for what they really are. Well now, that means that they, the hypocrites, yes, they will have to be tolerated. Jesus says in effect, look, you will always have the hypocrites with you in the church and in the kingdom. You've got to leave them alone. You can't uproot them because they appear to be so much like the sons of the kingdom. They even have their roots tangled with those of the sons of the kingdom. With that, I move on to the last point, what their end, that is, what the end of the weeds is. You see, it is a fact the weeds are not sons of the kingdom. Oh yes, they may indeed succeed 
in fooling you, all of us, for a while. But there is a harvest time coming. And the farmer, said Jesus, the farmer knows the condition of his field very well, much better than his servants. The farmer will, therefore, at the harvest time, send out his servants with the instruction that they gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. At this point, it's important to remember that the farmer in the parable is a picture that is, he represents the Son of Man. So Jesus explains, the Son of Man, he says, who knows the condition of his field, of his church, of his kingdom very well, much better than his servants understand it. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. You understand? What Jesus is saying here is this. The sons of the devil, of the evil one, will surely be found out. They will be shown up for who and what they really are. Their pious posturing, notwithstanding. And they will weep and gnash their teeth. That you understand. That's the Bible's way of saying that they, the unjust, will recognize the justness of their final punishment, their final judgment. Oh yes, they, they knew it all along. They knew that they were weeds, tares, hypocrites, and they knew that they wanted to be just that. They knew that they delighted in being that. But about the righteous, see the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous, that is the sons and daughters of the Lord's kingdom, the people who struggle to be faithful doers of the word, the people who bore fruit in spite of their weakness and their shortcomings, the people who suffered at the hands of the sons of the evil one, the hypocrites who oppressed them. Yes, those righteous will forever shine like the sun. They will forever share the joy of their Lord. They are blessed forever, says the Lord. He was ears, let him hear. Praise the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we have sought to listen to a very difficult word. 
Help us, Lord, to recognize the seriousness of this word. Help us understand that you call us to walk in faithful obedience to your word every day. May we examine ourselves in uprightness from day to day, that we may indeed recognize the work of your grace in our lives, lest we die the eternal death. Help us, Father, to live in uprightness before you. For Jesus' sake, amen.